Welcome, and thank you for joining Speak Up for Safer Care. Speak Up for Safer Care is a product of Safer Care Texas, the Patient Safety Division at the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth, Texas. Our mission is to challenge traditional thinking to eliminate preventable harm. Speak Up for Safer Care illuminates gaps in care, process, or design that lead to preventable harm in all healthcare settings. I'm your host, John Sims, Director of Safer Care Texas, and joining me is our co-host, Leanne Cunningham, Strategic Operations Assistant Director. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is a special day. We have uh, Brad Newsom, and this is uh, American Heart Month, and Brad is our first um, patient who's going to share uh, an experience that he had recently. Um, Brad holds a uh, Bachelor of Arts and a Master's in Business Administration. He has 30 plus years in healthcare in various uh, capacities, hospital supply chain, hospital pharmacy, medical device, sales, marketing, and sales leadership and management. Currently, he's the U.S. Director of Sales for a leading medical device company with over 15 years of clinical hospital sales and management. He's married with two daughters and he lives in Vancouver, Washington State, just across the river from Portland. Brad, did I miss anything about your background that you'd like to share? No, John, thanks for having me. I think that sums it up quite well. Well, thank you again for being here, Brad. So let's let's start with this. In your own words, can you tell us what happened just before uh, Thanksgiving in uh, 2021? Sure. Um, about a week before Thanksgiving, um, I woke up in the middle of the night with, with a really bad pounding headache. Um, I could tell my blood pressure was up for some reason and figured I must have had a, a bad dream or something. Um, I happened to have a blood pressure cuff in my house that my mother-in-law had left by accident. So I used it to check my blood pressure. Uh, it was obviously high and, uh, but I figured it must've been dream induced. So I took some aspirin, took some Tylenol and after about 20 minutes or so, I went back to bed with, with no further symptoms. Um, nothing else from that night. Um, and then a few days later, um, finished eating dinner. Uh, and I had another issue where, uh, this time I felt like my chest was actually having a brain freeze. And if you've ever had like a, a ice cream or a Slurpee, you know what that feels like, but this one was in my chest. Um, a little bit of a headache, but again, nothing like the episode I'd had a few nights before. Uh, I didn't think of anything of it, no other symptoms. So I just sat on the couch for a few minutes, relaxed uh, before getting up and moving on. And then on uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, um, I had the last and the, the largest heart attack, um, though I didn't know it was a heart attack at the time. Um, so I, I woke up in the middle of the night, again, around 2 a.m. I was really hot, had another headache, and I could tell my blood pressure was really up. I checked it again, and it was it was somewhere in the range of like 215 over 150 or something ridiculously high like that. So being ignorant, I, I followed the same protocol again and took aspirin, some Tylenol, and actually took a half a dose of my blood pressure meds. And after about 20 to 30 minutes, I went back to bed. Um, that next day I went through my day like I normally would. I had lunch with some family that was in town, did some shopping and, and even uh, cooked dinner for, for my extended family that night. And it was while we were sitting around the kitchen counter talking that I kept checking my blood pressure. Um, and my mother who had come into town for the holidays, who's a CRNA, 
Um, she, kept, she asked me why I kept checking my blood pressure. And I explained to her the symptoms and, and the why and uh, what had happened a few nights before. And uh, my cousin, who was also in town for the holiday, who's an ER and OR nurse, uh, looked at me with the most conviction and said, you need to go to the ER immediately. Um, he said it sounded eerily like a heart attack and uh, it, it scared me. I didn't think it was, but. I decided to go based on the suggestion of my cousin and my mother. So went into the ER. I figured in my mind, it was just the stress of the holidays work and just life in general. I thought I would go in. They looked me over and sent me home. Um, you know, they, I got into the ER. They hooked me up, started an IV port. Um, they ran an EKG on me uh, and it was normal. And I thought, good, I'm on my way home. Uh, I can get out of here. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. They, uh, they came back with a wheelchair and uh, said uh, I was being admitted for cardiac precautions uh, and enzyme testing to determine um, if I had had a, a heart attack prior to my arrival. So did the tests, and unfortunately, the, the doctor came in and told me that my, my levels were extremely high, at which point they uh, moved me to the cardiac floor to prepare for an angiogram. Uh, to try and rectify that situation. So, unfortunately, um, I wound up having a uh, cabbage by bypass and spending 15 days in the ICU. So, it was not my, uh, was not my best uh, Thanksgiving week by any means, but uh, that's essentially what happened. Well, Brad, I am, um, I'm thankful that you listened to your cousin and your mom. Um, that's, uh, you know, it's interesting. You, you said, uh, that you felt like you were ignorant. And I don't think you're ignorant. I think that you are like, unfortunately, a lot um, of, I'm the same way. I mean, as a guy, you, you have some symptoms that you're not really, you know, used to having and you, you rationalize them away. I'll just do this and that and it'll be okay. Right. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I've never heard anybody describe uh, like a brain freeze though in their heart. That that's uh that's an interesting description. Yeah, it was just cold. It was interesting. And um, someone said, was it, was it, you know, did you have tightness or, or and maybe that's what they mean by the, the tightness in the chest. But it, to me, it just felt, it felt cold. Um, it just, it, it literally felt cold. Yeah. And the other interesting thing is, is that your EKG was normal. Yeah. I'm glad that, um, that they listened to your symptoms and did some, some more digging to determine what was causing your symptoms. I think that's great. How wonderful that you had healthcare professionals in your family right there during this important time to help you get to the hospital to get the treatment that you needed to have. I know that the pandemic has prevented family visitation uh, in a hospital setting. Can you take us through your time in the hospital, Brad? And can you tell us where you received the most support? Well, uh, okay, I'm going to try and get through that. Uh, without crying. Hey man, take your time if you need to, it's okay. Luckily, um, due to my severe post-op conditions and the caring support uh, of a nurse named Jenny, um, who literally lobbied to the hospital administration to have my wife there. Um, she went before the, the board in the hospital and said that uh, she felt it would be beneficial um, to my recovery uh, if she were there. Luckily, 
the hospital granted my wife an access, um, special access to my room, my IC room for the duration of my time to help with my continuum of care. And um, I will say that between her and some amazing clinicians, I was cared for um, and received amazing support from from you know both my wife and the staff at the hospital and i can't begin to tell you what that support from my wife was like especially hearing about it um once i was awake and and uh off the vent um it's truly brought us closer in our relationship but beyond that um i have to say that the staff at the hospital was uh so supportive especially jenny um who was my initial nurse uh day after surgery, uh, which was actually Thanksgiving, um, as I was being brought out of sedation enough just to check my, my functions, she had the wherewithal to FaceTime my daughters. And uh, that, was, that, was, that was pretty amazing. You know, it, uh, it meant that they could see me for the first time since I'd gone in. And uh, that was all due to her true care and support for me. So there's nothing I would love more than to be able to thank her in person. You know, ultimately, um, as I look at the care to answer your question, Leanne, um, I, I got to thank um, the, the cardiac surgeon and his team, especially one very determined PA gave me the most amazing support and care while I was in surgery and post-op. Um, I can tell you, I proved I proved to be a, a very difficult patient in terms of post-op complications. And my surgeon, I don't know if I can say his or my PA's name, but they were just so amazing helping me get back to my family and my life. Um, and I can't thank them for uh, the fight that they went through to get me healthy. Um, their care and support um, saved and changed my life. Well, it sounds like you were surrounded by a great group of healthcare professionals, and I'm. It makes my heart happy to be listening that they allowed your wife and your family to be there to support you. Yeah, it was truly amazing. So you had a procedure prior to the surgery. What did you understand was going on or going to occur during this procedure? Um, I had I had a rudimentary idea of, of what an angiogram was and and how they would go in to clear uh, and stent the impacted areas. I uh, met my cardiologist and, and he told me that as long as I had two or a few areas to clear, they could they could easily complete the procedure. Um, unfortunately, I had multiple blockage points and they couldn't perform the procedure um, to a point that it would help my situation. So I uh, woke up from the procedure as I was being back, taken back to my room um, and the surgeon looked at me and said, I'm sorry. Um, I, I we couldn't do it. Um, and that, that scared me. And I said, well, what do we do now? Um, and he said, well, you're being transferred to the cardiac surgery team for, for bypass for those five arteries. Well, Brad, that is a very moving story. And I really appreciate you sharing it. Um, you know, go, going back to uh, hospital administration to, to have your support system um, have access to you. The pandemic has really um, kept that from happening. And, you know, it's because they don't want the, um, they want to reduce the spread of COVID, right? Yeah. Especially to people who are already sick. But it is equally, if and I might argue even more important for those that are sick, that supportive family 
um, is almost more important than the, you know, the medications and the, you know, er everything that we use for, for treatment. It's, you just can't take that away. So I really appreciate you sharing that. So let's, let's pivot just a little bit. Um, And Brad, it's, it's easy to play Monday morning uh, quarterback, right? When we think of what we could have done in a certain situation, I do that all the time because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But given what occurred, now we know what happened and and um, and, and what it led to and, and the journey following that. Um, but when you first notice these symptoms that you, as I said, I would do rationalize the way. What advice would you give others should they develop similar similar symptoms? First thing I'd say is listen to, listen to your body. Um, I, I would say blood pressure, blood pressure, blood pressure. If you have any symptoms alongside high blood pressure and or high cholesterol, such as headaches, tightness of chest, cold chest like I had, any numbness, go get checked immediately. Don't wait like I did. Don't go to the urgent care. Go straight to the ER. So anything out of the ordinary? Anything out of the ordinary. Um, if it, You know, I, I think John says it best it is, you know, you, you I, I called it ignorant and, and it's just me. You know, I, I should have listened to my body. I knew something was wrong, but just pushing forward and pushing forward. It's, it's, it'll be fine. I can get through it. But if you have anything um, associated with those two things, with high blood pressure, cholesterol, I would go to the ER immediately, and I and I'll say that aside from being alive and getting to see my girls again, one of the most rewarding things for me, uh, post-op and in recovery, is that I've heard from so many of my friends and colleagues who have changed their habits, eating habits, exercise, but more so, so many of the the guys that I know um, have gone get their own hearts checked, get their own updates, uh, and I, I will say if I can help save one life my journey has been worth it. Man, that is, that is great. I am really glad that you're not like keeping this to yourself, but, but, but using this experience, um, you know, to help others. I, I think that is admirable and we need more people like that. I would agree. So, um, take me back. Cause I remember I'm texting your mom, right? Uh, when all this is going on and you're still in the hospital, uh, but I don't recall how many days you were in the hospital. Do you, how many days were you in? Do you know? I was uh, 17 days, 16 days, 17 days. If you count the night that I went in, uh, 15 of those were in the ICU. Wow. So that's a that's a long time. And I know part of that you were you were sedated, right? And you were on the ventilator. But um, what what tell us what you do remember in the ICU? Things that you might have heard, things that you smelled, the way you felt. Anything like that? Oh, so much to talk about there. Um, in the hospital, um, I, I was sedated. Um, and unfortunately, um, with my condition, um, post-op, you know, having, um, you know, some of the things that I that I developed while I was there, uh, kidney failure, um, collapsed lungs, uh, I'm just... Uh, that was a whirlwind of, uh, of bad things that happened. Um, they kept me pretty sedated. Um, my hands were, you know, kept bound because I have such a large gag reflex that if if I had even been partially awake, I would have fought the nurse, uh, the doctors. I'm trying to get that that tube out. Um, so 
you know, I remember bits and pieces of it, but I am, uh, I'm honestly, I'm just a big lightweight when it comes to, uh, to medications. And so unfortunately for me, um, I spent, you know, 11 of those days, I think 10 or 11 of those days in, uh, in a dream. Uh, I thought I was in, in different countries. I thought I was, you know, um, in different, in different scenarios, but, uh, once I started to come to, um, I had to start rationalize what was, what was a dream and what was reality. And so, you know, uh, I guess the biggest, uh, the biggest story for me as I was coming back, uh, in from sedation, uh, was that I thought I was in another area and that my wife and children had just left the hospital and that I really had, I wanted to see them and I needed my nurse to, to, to call them, call them back. Um, and it turned out that it was 2 a.m. And, and no one had really been there but my nurse checking on me. So um, ultimately, that nurse, uh, I'll say this, was was kind enough to pick up the phone at 2.45 in the morning and call my wife. And for the first time, I spoke to my wife, uh, even though she had been there for two weeks. Um, and I didn't know it. Um, she picked up the phone and called my wife for me so that I could talk to her. That That's awesome, Brad. And... I, I remember she was keeping everybody on Facebook updated on everything. And she was very excited when she got a chance to talk to you, as were all of us. Um, so after seven days in the hospital, um, then you had to go home. I'm sorry, after 17 days in the hospital, then, then you went home. What was that like? Were you weaker than expected? And did you have any um, any complications? Yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was a foggy whirlwind to say the least. Um, obviously not being a typical post-op case, right? I, I want to clarify that, you know, I, I was the nightmare of nightmares for, for, uh, post-care, uh, post-op care there. So, uh, with those complications, um, you know, I left there pretty foggy. Um, but I'll say I've, I had some great nurses and, and fought to get out a little earlier than I hoped to. Which uh, which worked out. So leaving there, I uh, after those that many days in the hospital, being in the ICU, I was definitely not the same person coming out that I was going in. Uh, in terms of weight, strength, um, cognitive abilities, uh, as I got home, you know, it, it was uh, it was mentally tough being uh, not able to care for myself for a little while, do the daily things that I I would normally do, um, you know, due to sternal precautions. You have to sleep on your back, uh, utilizing a wedge, uh, keeps you kind of propped up and, and uh, in a certain position. Unfortunately, uh, I did develop a bed sore on the backside that made sleeping a bit more challenging. Wow. Aside from that, I, uh, I had some hair loss uh, on the back of my head that was likely due to my having been on my back so often when sitting or resting in my recliner in my bed. So. I would highly recommend getting a waffle pad for post-op to, to mitigate any bed sores and wearing a beanie or other soft head cover while you're in bed post-op. Wow. That, yeah, that's, see, and those are things that I'm, I'm again, I'm so glad you're sharing all this because, um, you know, if, if you don't know somebody, you're like, yeah, so-and-so was in the hospital, they had a heart attack, but they're back now. Well, there's lots of stuff that happened in between there, right? Oh, yeah. I just want to say thank you for your authenticity. Aside from that heart attack, what surprised you most about your journey from your first day through your recovery journey? Um, honestly, the, the, 
the mental aspect of it all. Um, I, I've talked to John about this before. Um, because I was on a ventilator for so long post-op, my, my pain and recovery from that aspect, from the cervical wound, was minimal compared to the minimal to the to the mental impact that that I'd had on me. Um, you know, honestly, seeing the scars, um, looking in the mirrors, and seeing the hair loss. Um, probably the big one was dealing with the the cardiac rehab and being the only fifty year old in that in that class. Um, that was that was pretty um, that was pretty uh, impactful on my my mental ability. Um, and to this day, it's hard for me to look in the mirror and see the scar. I, I'm dealing with it, and you know through some through some friends, through some coaching, you know, it's all those things. Uh, you don't expect them. I expect to, to be in pain. I expect to, to have aches and pains following surgery. I've had many surgeries and I get that, but for, for this one, it was, a, it was the mental aspect. Um, it really surprised me and I wasn't prepared for all that coming home. You know, Brad, um, one of the things that, uh, um, the health science center is working on is looking at a whole health model right? Uh, just a, um, a way to, to understand that the whole body is affected um, when you have an illness or an injury in the hospital. And you have just demonstrated all of that because um, it's not just the physical things. It is the emotional things. It's the mental things. It's the things that, you know, maybe people don't talk about because, you know, they're afraid of judgment or whatever, you know, but um, uh, again, I, I, I thank you very much for um, for going through those things. That's awesome. So the for the patient out there who was just discharged following a heart attack, Brad, can you explain to them what they should expect during their rehab? It's been an interesting journey. I'll say that, and uh, it's like your nurse and your and your fitness trainer all rolled into one. Um, getting into a good program because it's critical to getting back to full strength, um, but also towards the long-term success of your health. Um, in cardiac rehab, we just did a study review the other day um, and it shows that you're, you're 50% more likely to have another cardiac incident if you don't complete the program. So uh, I'll say that it may seem difficult at first, it may seem foreign, it may seem impossible, um, but it's, it's, it's critical to be there. So, but the, the cardiac rehab in and of itself, um, again, I'll go back to the mental and the physical parts of it. So the, you know, the mental thing, um, is, is major, um, you know, being the only 50 year old in that class, um, it, as I went down and joined my first class, I noticed that nearly all, if not all of the other attendees in my class, and there's multiple classes, but I was the only one that was 50. Uh, the rest were, you know, 15, 20, 30 years older than I am. And it really hit me mentally. So what I will tell you is a good friend of mine told me, um, the reason there aren't a lot of 50 year olds in there is they don't make it. And um, the reason I should be proud to be in there is that I did. Um, and so, don't let the mental aspect of it get you. Um, you should be proud to be there. Similar to the scar, um, I should be proud to be there. Wow. But from the physical aspect of it, um, what I'll tell you it is, is it's a phenomenal mixture of cardiac training, cardio training, 
education, um, diet, lifestyle support. Um, and it's, it's a mixture of all these things to promote long, long-term health and care. Um, I, I, I first thought of it like traffic school, like I have to be here. They're going to make me go through this. And the more I've been through it and I've been into it for, I don't know, 12 sessions now, um, I learned something new about myself. It proves to push me. Um, it's, it's kind of like going to the trainer. You can say, yeah, I'm going to get up, get off the couch and go for a walk today. But being that you have a, uh, a cardiac rehab appointment, you're held to it. And so it gives some accountability to it. So, um, you, you can't see, let the, the cardiac rehab seem like punishment or something like I did. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's truly the conduit to getting you back to you again. And, uh, I thank the nurses and respiratory therapists and, and, uh, cardiac team that are there to helping me get back to my full self. Brad, that's a, boy, that's a, that's a great description uh, for anybody right now who may be, you know, getting, maybe they're going to be discharged and they're going to be going into cardiac rehab. That's excellent. Tell me what, what inspired you to number one, tell your story today. And then what inspired you to uh, pursue your current career? You know, there's, there's a few reasons why I was eager to tell the story and share with you. Um, I think the first is, is that as a man and for anybody for that matter, but as a man, um, it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, mm. that machismo fearless, you know, front, um, I'll be fine. I'll get through it. You know, that's fine, but we're human and, uh, and men are human and, and we need to take care of ourselves. So, um, my hope is that you'll get yourself checked, um, understand stress, managing that eating healthy, exercise. Uh, my wife has been telling me about mindfulness for years, and I laughed at her and said, I don't know what you're talking about. It's crazy. Welcome. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's a way of life that I've fully adopted now. So um, the second reason that I, I wanted to do this is to help others that are going through it or that will go through it, and more importantly, I hope that listeners that, that are listening to this uh, will keep them from getting into this situation. And that's of paramount importance to me. If, if I can, I said it earlier, if I can help one person mm -hmm. change their habits and mitigate having a heart attack, then I've certainly done what I've set out to do. Um, I guess the last reason I'd say I wanted to tell my story is to say thank you to those who care for heart attack patients, um, cardiac patients, um, the ER nurse that night, um, just total care, uh, explaining everything to me. The cardiologist who, who tried to do the angiogram, you know, uh, has been my, my cardiologist since the, the cardiothoracic team, those amazing PAs. Um, I, I want you to know that, uh, you're all heroes. Um, and the new mantra that I have is uh, real heroes wear scrubs. Um, you know, um, so that's that's why I wanted to, to tell that story. Um, as far as what I do in my career decision, I've been, uh, John, as you know, I've been in some sort of a hospital setting for 35, 40 years, I guess. Um, <laughs> having gone through health careers, high school, um, and I've worked in the hospital and I've worked outside of the hospital, but, um, I've been in the surgical arena for the last 13 years in sales. And, uh, 
I know that, that my help in those scenarios have helped clinicians impact their patients' lives all across the country. But I knew that it wasn't the, the impact that I could have. Um, so about three years ago, um, I changed divisions within my company and focused on a much needed area of patient care through module identification and patients. Um, this shift is, is truly how we're going to combat and beat lung cancer. And so um, having the ability to impact lung cancer as a whole and impact those many, that many patients um, it truly inspired me to, to take on this new role. So that's what's kind of guided my career is how can I help others? Well, I love your story and I love, I love your, your attitude and it sounds like your passion. I think that's great. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you also for uh, acknowledging our healthcare heroes that help us through these journeys such as yours with your heart attack. I also want to say thank you to those who listened today to Speak Up for Safer Care. Speak Up for Safer Care is a product of Safer Care Texas, the Patient Safety Division at the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth. We'd like to thank our technical producer, Rob Upchurch. We also would like to encourage you, our listeners, to speak up, speak up for safer care. Become an advocate, much like Brad did. Advocate for yourself, your family, and your colleagues. If you're a healthcare worker, a counselor, subject matter expert, former patient or caregiver, and have a patient safety story you'd like to share with us, please be sure it's HIPAA compliant and reach out to us at Safer Care Texas. We wanna hear from you. Be our next guest. Please contact us through our website, safercaretexas.org. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Safer Care Texas. Please tune in to our podcast next week where we'll talk with Dr. Jeff Beeson about managing psychological stress during emergencies. Thanks again for listening, and as always, speak up for safer care.